Welcome to TKG's Healthcare Insights, where we explore healthcare's critical issues, challenges, and trends with a focus on achieving the quadruple aim of enhancing patient experience, improving population health, reducing costs, and improving the work life of healthcare providers and staff. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome. We're glad to have you listening today. I'm Warren Smedley, a vice president with the Kinetics Group, and today we will be starting a two-episode discussion on the increasing trend by payers and providers to control oncology medication formularies through the use of clinical pathways. My co-host today is my friend and colleague, Neil Pizer. Welcome, Neil. Thank you, Warren. This is a fascinating topic. I was reading through our guest's materials from his presentation entitled, Examining the Implications of Clinical Pathways on the Oncology Marketplace. From last year's Confera conference, the focus was on clinical treatment pathways and the different models being used to reduce variation in care, enhance quality of care, and maximize clinical and economic outcomes. It really looks like it was a great presentation. In fact, I wish I had been there in person to hear it. Ditto, Neil. I read through the PowerPoint supporting materials as well and was captivated by his presentation, especially that part where he talks about the dimension of management control and measures and incentives, that model, which I'm hoping he will explain for us today. So, Neil, without further ado, let me introduce our special guest, one of the Kinetics Group's business partners, Ron Schleif. Ron is a co-founder and principal of Oncology Reimbursement Management, a consulting and research services firm that helps life science companies determine whether oncology products are positioned correctly for maximum success with key access and reimbursement payers, providers, distributors, and other stakeholders. He and his partner, Bruce Edlin, come from a life sciences background and bring a wealth of experience and knowledge about reimbursement strategies. Ron, we're really grateful to have you with us today. Well, thanks for inviting me, Warren. Ron, Neil and I were fascinated with the presentation you gave at the Confera conference last year. Unfortunately, neither of us were there for that talk, but thankfully, you're here today to share your insights. As we discussed previously, we're going to split this interview into two parts. In the first half, I'd like to focus on your Pathways presentation, and in the second part, maybe talk about some of the data and insights you gather for your clients in your syndicated reports, which I think you tap into in the Pathways presentation. Perhaps you could start with what you do and how you came to make the Pathways presentation last year. Sure, Warren. Um, Well, Bruce and I both have over 25 years of experience uh, working for pharma companies and established ORM 12 years ago, really after the Medicare Modernization Act was implemented and, and turned oncology reimbursement on its head by initiating ASP and uh, Medicare Part D. It seemed uh, fairly clear to us that preferences and restrictions were going to become more prevalent. And so we created ORM to help pharma companies navigate through uh, some of those complexities around value and access. And I guess more specifically to what we're talking about today, over the past five years, we've been tracking drug preferences and restrictions in detail for specific cancer types, primarily through the use of clinical pathways and restrictive formularies and even treatment plans that are embedded in EMR systems. And Confera asked me to share what we've learned and and how providers and payers use these pathways. Ron, your pathway presentation begins with an overview of the mechanisms that payers and providers are using to control utilization and drug spend. 
Would you talk for a moment about the common oncology drug management tools being used by these organizations? Yeah, the um, payers and providers both use a variety of drug management tools. I'll focus maybe a little bit more on providers today, but both payers and providers use formularies, use clinical pathways, especially the national payers. Um, Payers use formularies and pathways to encourage the use of certain drugs and formularies, uh, their formularies will have tiers determining uh, which uh, amount of patient co-pays that the the patient's going to incur and and pathways that allow providers some form of enhanced reimbursement or decreased administrative burden or both. On on the provider side, uh, the I mentioned formularies, pathways, and treatment plans, and all three of these tools can be used for varying degrees of drug management. Formularies typically are only at the product level. They're not by cancer. They're certainly not by a regimen or line of therapy, and oftentimes they're used for uh, determining which uh, generics going to be used, whether biosimilars are going to be used instead of brand names. It's a uh, tend to be uh, restrictive at that level, whereas pathways and and treatment plans that are in EMRs can be more surgically employed to get at specific cancer types, specific lines of therapy, and regimens that will be preferred or restricted uh, within those lines of therapies. So uh, you'll, you'll find providers that use clinical pathways to get at that. And then you'll find other providers that don't use clinical pathways, but their treatment teams decide which regimens they're going to include in their EMRs and therefore what's easily accessible uh, by the oncologists. And maybe finally, to kind of bring this back together with the payers, I I think, you know, payers are uh, elated today uh, in terms of the impact that their alternative payment models, particularly total cost of care, are starting to be embraced and incorporated into provider thinking and treatment management. Uh, the decisions that providers are making on inclusion within pathways and, and treatment plans are oftentimes driven uh, a lot of times as much by cost as uh, as much as uh, cost recovery um, in terms of which regimens they're going to decide to incorporate and prefer within their organizations. And the degree of um, specialization and specificity uh, just varies from provider to provider. Ron, a quick question on this. Um- from the prov- provider perspective, I think more about this being pathways being a quality and guideline concordance method. But from the payer side, it feels a lot more like a cost issue. What do you think the overarching goals are here? Is it really cost or is it quality or is it some combination of both? Oh, yeah. Uh, great question, Warren. I, I think it's it's definitely a combination of both. The I think the the, the quality uh, would be reasonably consistent between the payers and the and the providers. Uh, providers are going to be a little bit more attuned to uh, the specific patients sitting in front of them and uh, 
a payer is going to be looking more from a, a population uh, kind of management approach. But uh, when you get down to the economics, that's where, you know, things might differ a little bit, uh, where uh, certainly, as I said, uh, costs and total costs of care are becoming increasingly important to providers. Providers still have to ensure that they keep their doors open. In order to do that, they have to, you know, make certain margins and have certain uh, uh, costs that are recovered uh, based on drug regimens, uh, you know, in the community, uh, they're going to have um, a GPO contracts that will be preferential for some agents over others. And and in the institutions, if they're 340B, they're going to have some uh, preferential costs and reimbursement on on those agents as well. So uh, each each provider is going to have to look at the economics from their particular perspective and match up with what payers are requiring them to do and make the best clinical decision that also uh, helps them economically. Good points. We've done done some research on the different financial and operational structures of cancer centers. We call them archetypes and see that the decision-making process can be very different. I assume that that would apply here as well. Yes, yes. No, I think uh, come back to that age-old uh, kind of comment that, you know, you've seen one institution, you've seen one institution. They're all going to be different, even uh, different levels within those archetypes uh, in terms of uh, how they make decisions and, and how pharma companies need to align with that decision-making. Ron, earlier you mentioned the relationship between the provider and the patient and how that plays in. Is there increasing sensitivity on the part of the provider regarding the out-of-pocket liability that a patient might incur? And are there choices made based upon that? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think we increasingly hear from providers that the patient's out-of-pocket expenses are a really critical component to what they're able to provide the patients, particularly on the oral side where the payers will have a substantial uh, potential copay under a, a, a pharmacy benefit as opposed to a medical benefit. And the the ability to, to help those patients out with those copays, depending upon whether it's a Medicare patient or a commercial patient will vary as well. So I think there isn't any provider in the country that doesn't have a team of people working on that today to with financial counselors or social workers to help the patients navigate through and hopefully get on the the agents and the regimens that the provider is looking to prescribe. Ron, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I'd like to talk a little bit about measures and management control, which you had in this presentation. So when we come back, I'd like you to walk us through that model, that dimensions of management control and measures and incentives model that you present. I'm really interested in how that plays into actually tracking the metrics of all of this. Perfect. You are listening to TKG's Healthcare Insights, a program produced by the Kinetics Group. TKG empowers life science companies to effectively engage with health system and payer customers by developing strategies and real-world solutions aimed at impacting the right patient at the right time with the right care. 
We also work directly with health systems and payers to address the critical issues of our time. We would love to hear from you. Reach out to us at thekineticsgroup.com. Thank you for joining us today. Okay, Ron, let's get back to your dimensions of management control and measures and incentives model. You talk about this being a progressive journey, have that in quotes. Can you help our listeners understand this model? Uh, sure, Warren. Uh, it's really based on uh, quite a number of, of different parameters that can be used to segment providers into those different kinds of archetypes that you talked about uh, previously. And uh, at a high level, uh, what we're really trying to answer is the question of just, you know, how much teeth do these pathways and these uh, drug utilization management systems really have in place by the providers. And what we've noticed over the last five years is that these, a lot of these providers are on a journey, the kind of starting particularly in with pathways and systems and the approach that they're going to take uh, with those pathways and systems, because there's a lot of choices and, and decisions to be made. How many cancers do they want to start with? Uh, which cancers do they want to start with? How many lines of therapy? Uh, how much? So, how much detail do they want their pathways to to go into? And 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 really, how inclusive or restrictive do they want their pathways to be? Do they want them to be inclusive of just enough regimens to meet a certain threshold of patients, or as many regimens as their oncologist? you know, want or need in order to, to capture their buy-in. So, uh, and, and, and some of these providers are having to choose whether or not they develop their own pathway or whether or not they subscribe to a third party vendor. So when we, when we look at that, organizations first seem to go along a dimension of different levels of management control. Some will be very low level of management with small number of cancers, uh, wide choices, and limited uh, lines of therapy that they carry those pathways out. Whereas at the upper end of that, you can have fairly sophisticated pathways. We tend to see this more in the solid cancers with lung cancer, breast cancer, colorectal cancer, where you know, these these cancer types are going to be fairly restrictive, carry lines of therapies out to third, fourth, or fifth line and be fairly restrictive and preferential in the regimens that they're choosing. Once the providers tend to work their way up towards increasingly sophisticated pathways and they have the begin to have the buy-in of their oncologists utilizing these on a, a regular basis, then we see pathways start to take a journey towards the expectations and the adherence and level of adherence that their oncologists are going to uh, to work within these pathways. So it's really a question, and we see quite a bit of variation across providers in terms of uh, do they set expectations on adherence? Do they measure to those expectations? And do they even incent in, in some type of compensation way, their oncologists r related to those measurements and expectations. And then finally, do they do that on an individual oncologist or do they do that as a group? Because 
clearly the uh, where you would find the most teeth would be an organization that is setting expectation, measuring to those expectations, and incenting individual oncologists based upon their performance to those expectations. And the, the, the classic example that I can think of that does that within the U.S. would be uh, U.S. oncology. Ron, this is a great model for explaining the progressive journey accounts follow. It does seem a little complex, particularly regarding high-impact implications for, say, a life sciences company's market strategy. Do you see any common mistakes or wrong assumptions that pharmaceutical companies are making? Well, I think I think there's a tendency to maybe overcomplicate the market as a whole and 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 think that perhaps uh, there's a sophistication and a sophisticated approach that's required that may or may not be necessary. And what I, what I mean by that is that these the, the impact on a particular pharmaceutical company is going to vary based upon where they play within cancers. Is it in the solid cancer side or on the heme side? Because we clearly see much more restrictions and preference on. Uh, as I said earlier, uh, the solid cancer side than what you tend to see within multiple myeloma and certainly leukemias and lymphomas. Uh, the same is true with the amount of lines of therapy that are uh, these pathways are taken out and even expectations in terms of adherence. Other factors would be you know, do I have a unique mechanism of action? Because these pathways are probably going to want to include and give options for different mechanisms of actions for their providers to choose from, even if there may be some degree of comparative effectiveness studies uh, out there, the MOA is going to be important. And I think we we see that uh, with checkpoint inhibitors in that uh, I think these, these companies of the six or so that have checkpoint inhibitors out there, they've really been fairly strategic in the way that they approach the trials in terms of the lines of therapy, the regimens that they're partnering with. It, it's very difficult, I think, for providers to make comparisons across these checkpoint inhibitors, which I, I think benefits the pharmaceutical companies because therefore uh, providers tend to have to be more inclusive than restrictive. The, 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 the last thing that I would say on this is that there sometimes can be certain side effects that differentiate regimens, meaning that even though it could be a niche, pathways will recognize that there are going to be certain patients that are going to require a regimen that doesn't have a certain side effect or treats a certain group of patients in a way that the other choices may not. Some pathways may include that in the 20% that they say, you know, we're going to allow our docs to uh, to treat off pathway and, and just say, therefore, we're not going to include it on the pathway. But I think what we've seen uh, the majority of time is that these pathways will include, perhaps with a footnote or an asterisk, these, these regimens that target specific patient populations uh, based on efficacy or side effect profiles. Ron, do you have any thoughts about what seems to be most effective? What what which of these models works the best or some of the best practices that you've encountered? Yeah, I think what we've seen 
that works well for for pharma pharma companies is going back to what you talked about earlier, uh, Warren, and that is you know creating archetypes or or some type of uh, segmentation, determining where you really need to win in organizations that are creating these pathways, and and then in those places that are absolutely critical, developing the kind of competencies within the field organization in order to position your product or your regimen appropriately. It can it can take a tremendous amount of of resources and effort in order to do that because of all the uh, competing priorities and the influencers around those pathways. So to do that everywhere, I think, would bring any organization to its knees. And quite honestly, uh, most organizations probably don't have the resources or the capabilities out there to to do that. I think they 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 need to focus those re- resources. Typically, they've got account managers that are a little bit more sophisticated in their approach to uh, kind of major account selling, and uh, oftentimes already have the, uh, the 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 competencies to work with other teams in the field, whether that's the the, the sales team or even some teams on the medical side in order to answer all the questions, provide all the information for a particular account to to position its regimen appropriately. Ron, this sounds like a perfect segue when you're talking about training account teams and segmenting their market. For us to take a break, I'm afraid we're running out of time for today's episode, but Neil and I are going to ask you to stick around so that we can continue this discussion and really talk about exactly where you're leaving off here is kind of where do, where do our pharma company friends take this? And uh, we're going to ask you to stick around for the second part. And we very much like to hear about your syndicated reports and what you've learned about how life science companies should be training their field teams to be successful in today's complex environment. Happy to do so. Thanks, Warren. Terrific. I will Perhaps ask if you would be willing to share that one slide. You shared it at the conference. If somebody really wanted to take a look at that one segmentation slide, I think it was uh, maybe slide number four in your presentation, that would be really interesting because it's hard to visualize it in a podcast. Maybe you'd be willing to share that if somebody reached out to you. Absolutely. Thank you, Ron. Uh, We'll make sure that your contact information is in the information about the podcast And I do appreciate your willingness to share your expertise in the complex world of oncology reimbursement. Cancer is complicated. Thank you for helping us understand this just a little bit better. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you, Ron, for sharing your knowledge and experience, and more importantly, for breaking down the complexities and making this also approachable. Well, that wraps up another week of TKG's Healthcare Insights. We hope you are enjoying these interviews as much as we are. We welcome your suggestions, ideas, and requests for podcast topics of interest. Please reach out to us at thekineticsgroup.com forward slash contact and write Insights Podcast in the subject line. Thank you and have a safe and healthy day. You are listening to TKG's Healthcare Insights, a program produced by The Kinetics Group. TKG empowers life science companies to effectively engage with health system and payer customers by developing strategies and real-world solutions aimed at impacting the right patient at the right time with the right care. We also work directly with health systems and payers to address the critical issues of our time, 
We would love to hear from you. Reach out to us at thekineticsgroup.com. Thank you for joining us today.